Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. Eddie Jacob self-describes or describes himself as the happiest man in the world. At 101 years old, he tells his story of how in the 1930s, he was a German, German's German. He was a German first, he was a German second, and he was a Jew at home. And part of his, part of his story was that in Germany, he was a proud citizen of national Germany at that time, that the government until they started persecuting the Jews, and he ended up in Auschwitz. And as his life story is told, he escaped from Auschwitz and got recaptured and was placed in Buchenwald, and he'd lost everything and everyone that he loved. And after World War II, having survived the concentration camp, he was very bitter and angry. And he married and had a family, and had a grand, grandchildren. And he, come, he came full circle and said he didn't hate anyone. He had forgiven those that had persecuted and tried to kill him. Because he said, hatred and grudge-holding is a poison. And the only thing that it harms, is yourself. It destroys you. But he also said something about the power of community. He said that when a sorrow is shared, it is only a half sorrow. And when a joy is shared, it is double the joy. Now today we're in a series, and if you're joining us online, this is the perfect time for you to join us online because all of us were formed for God's family. We were formed for God's family. Last week we talked about the first purpose in the purpose-driven life, which is the first purpose of your life is to worship, to know God, and to love God. You were made for God's pleasure. But this week, we're going to talk about being formed for God's family. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 says, For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified have one source. And that is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. God, in his unchanging plan, has always been to adopt us, meaning you, into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The second purpose that we're talking about today of a purpose-driven life, of being a Christian, is to love your spiritual family, to love your family of God. First Peter 2.17, Peter writes it this way, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. 
In other words, love your spiritual family. The first reason to love your spiritual family is this. Your physical family is not going to last. Now that sounds very cold and cruel, doesn't it? I don't intend it that way, but that is really the truth. Your spiritual family is going to go on forever. You have a forever family that will transcend time and space. Eternal. Now, I don't know that, that you noticed, but we had a boy band today. You notice that? It's got to be the oldest boy band in existence, Dan. Well done. But I was really, this second set, this second worship set, man, really hit home to me. When you're talking about the waters rising and God holding the waters back, let me tell you about what's going on in my life right now, and it kind of applies. Yesterday, I wouldn't wouldn't have said, hey, I'm going to Florida so I could go to the hurricane rather than go away from the hurricane. Because uh, my dad's in the hospital and my mom is kind of anxious and, and isn't really uh, comfortable driving. And so I'm going to Fort Myers early tomorrow morning so that I can chauffeur my mom around Florida as we dodge a hurricane or a tropical storm. And so when Dan and, and the boy band sang about holding the waters back and the waters rising, I never heard that song that way before. But now it's literally practical in my life as of tomorrow. And so I'm going to get that opportunity to take care of my physical family because I love them and they asked me to come and help out. And I'm sure every one of you would do that for your, your spouse, for your parents, for your children. You would do that because you love them. But I want to ask you to to have God's priority and to love your spiritual family even more than that. Some of you I am closer to than even my own parents. And I would do anything for you, just like I would for them. That's what God calls us to. And, and why does God want us to learn to love our spiritual family? The first reason is because it makes us more like God, because God is love. Second, he wants his children to learn to get along together. Now, that's a challenge. We don't all see things the same way. We don't go to the same churches, CNN or Fox or Republican or Democrat. But guess what? We serve a God who is higher than all that. And God calls us to a, a higher level of living a higher level, if you will, of play in our lives because we need to learn to get along together because this is practice for eternity. We were created for eternity. This time will pass. Our second purpose in life is fellowship. Fellowship is loving God's family. My question is, do you love God's family? 1 John 4.21, John writes, And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. The person who loves God must also love other believers. This is not a solo game. 
It is a team sport. 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul writes his mentee, Timothy. He says this, If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. He's saying, I'm writing so that you'll know how to live in the family of God. That, that family is the church. I had the opportunity to grow up in a church where I loved it. I loved going to church. They had a great youth ministry. It struggled. It wasn't anything like ours. Ours is like on steroids in comparison to that. Our children's ministry blows, blows it out of the, at what, what I grew up with. But I loved it because they were my family. You see, the church isn't a place you go. It is a family where you belong. Now, this morning, I want to talk about four levels of fellowship. And level one, and it's the very lowest level, is membership. And and membership is choosing to belong. Now, church is not like any other organization in the world. It stands separate and alone at a higher, much higher level. Ephesians 2.19, Paul says it this way, Then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. God has brought you in. And, and I've heard this said many times, Well, I'm a Christian, but I don't want to belong to any church. Well, to live biblical Christianity, to, to live... As a follower of Jesus, you can't have that attitude because you're telling, telling me that the body of Christ is not important and Jesus gave his life for, for his bride. Romans 12, 4 and 5 says it this way, For as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We are connected to each other. Now, there is a thing in our church culture today, and it's called church hoppers. And I've seen it throughout all my ministry experience, and I'm sure that just by me talking about it today, it won't go away. But I have a real concern for people who can never find a place to call home and to exist in a body so that they are connected to one another. And I I think this is huge, especially for young families, for all families, but especially for young families because we were created for community. And what we're telling our children is there's no right church, there is no one doing it right, and what do you think will happen to that next generation of, of, of Christians? They won't connect anywhere. They won't have those connections that they need throughout our life. Because we need each other. Now let me ask you a question. This is probably never a question. I've never asked this question of anybody in my life. But let me ask you this question. What if you were the liver in the body of Christ? What if you individually were the liver? Now, I know it's not as romantic or as important as being the heart or being the brain, or at least I didn't ask you if, uh, what if you were the colon of the body of Christ? 
But what if you were liver and you decided to leave the body? Would the body survive without you? Absolutely not. The church, the family of God, is the bride of Christ. And he loved the church so much that he gave his life for his bride. Just as we as men, as husbands, are to give our lives out of love for our brides. And another picture of the body is baptism, is a picture that we belong together in the body of Christ, to be immersed into Christ, spiritually and literally in water. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, and 13 says it this way, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, Republican or Democrat, CNN or Fox, and all were made to drink of one spirit. It didn't say that, did it? Do you not know all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Four levels of membership. The first level is, or four levels of fellowship. First level is membership. The second level is a friendship level. And this is a really, really important level. In Genesis 2.18, it's written, It is not good for man to be alone. We were created for one another in relationship. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. When anybody had need, they met that need together. Because all the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other other. Do you know why most people are lonely? Because we are in, in a culture that, that doesn't, well, we don't value friendship and relationships anymore. And what's interesting, they did a study on teens, and in the last 10 to 12 years, teens' depression and anxiety has risen, and the number of friendships that teenagers have has gone down. You know what, what they think, you know what, what the answer is why? Smartphones and so- social media. Even though they're more connected, they're more isolated, and it creates more <laughs> depression, more anxiety. And this is Suicide Awareness Month, and, and, and we realize that our teenagers are experiencing this separation and this isolation that's harming them. Proverbs 27, 17 says it this way. It says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. We need each other to sharpen each other. And there will be friction and there will be sparks. But it's not necessary to grow. They shared everything together. In 1 Peter 4, 9, it says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, do you grumble when you clean your house and when you're inviting guests over or not? I, I, we were doing a, a little life group before service, in between services today, and we were talking about grumbling, and I said, actually, there's a scripture. 
do everything without complaining or grumbling. And they thought I made it up. I said, no, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. That's the way we're supposed to be. We are set apart from society and culture because we have a hope that exists beyond this life. And because that early church existed and they had no place to meet, they shared their homes. The church was in their homes. And so Paul is saying, open up your homes to each other. Now that might be scary for you. And you might grumble. But that's really what we're called to do as Christians. You've got to understand this. There were no church buildings for the first 300 years of Christianity. They met from home to home to home. And they gathered and they shared what they had. And they shared their problems, what they were struggling with. And they were persecuted, but they huddled together in faith. Romans twelve fifteen, Paul says it this way. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. That's our calling, to, to encourage one another when we are in need and when they are the people we love and care about have need. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says it this way. He says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And the day is drawing near. He, the Hebrew writer is saying here, let, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. We need each other. Instead, let's figure out how to encourage one another as we go throughout this life. So we see four levels of fellowship, membership, friendship. We could have called it the four ships of fellowship, membership, friendship, and next is partnership, level three, partnership. And partnership is doing my part. This is actively engaging in service, in ministry, because we were all called to minister. God brought you here. If this is your church family and we want it to be your family, he has brought you here to serve, not to sit in a chair. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says it this way, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. Where are you working? Because we are partners working together for God. There's a higher purpose, there is a higher calling in fellowship. And in Scripture, fellowship is often translated as partnership. We are partners in ministry. Paul says in Ephesians 4, 16, he says it this way, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint in which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, notice they have to work, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love, in mutual appreciation. And finally, the fourth level of Fellowship is kinship. Now, we ought to get that because we are a, a small community in the Wabash Valley, one of many communities where our church people come from, our family comes from. But kinship is the closest relationships that you can have. You might say, well, they're my kin. And, and some 
kin will fight for other kin even when they're wrong. Now, that's not my favorite kind of kin. Personally, when we have kin that are living wrong, that aren't living according to God's word, we need to call that out. Encouragingly, kindly, respectfully, because we love them and we care for them. This kinship level is completely committed to them, to the point they would lay down their life. Do you have that kind of kinship fellowship with anyone? Notice what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and it's a description of the early church. Luke writes it this way, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and, and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They were devoted. They were like family to each other. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. He's saying be devoted to each other like a loving family. Do you have people outside of your biological family that you love like that? God said it this way. John said it. God so loved the world. We are to love each other and the world. John 3.16, actually it's 1 John 3.16. John writes again later in life, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Life is about learning. Life is about loving God and learning to love each other. Loving God is worship. Loving others is fellowship. John 13, 35, Jesus said it this way, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He's saying your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. John also says, 1 John 3.10, he says, anyone who does not love other Christians does not belong to God. Folks, we need to get our hearts right. If we're not loving other Christians, even those we don't like, that we disagree with, maybe have done us wrong. We really need to ask for forgiveness to God, and we need to get our hearts right. Because he says we need to love one another. We may not agree. We may not, it may not be okay, but we got to love one another. First John 4.20 says it this way, those who do not love their brothers and sisters whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have never seen. Grudge holding, getting even, vengeful, revengeful, thinking and actions are not of God. Not according to what it says in his word. First John 3, 14. But if we love our Christian brothers, it proves that we've passed from death to eternal life. Which level of fellowship are you at? Are you at the membership level? Are you at the friendship level? Are you at the partnership level? Maybe you're at the kinship level. I don't know if you were a fan of the old CSI shows, but what, what's interesting, according to forensic scientists, is that 
where whatever room you go into, whatever human relationship interaction you have, you always leave trace material behind. It might be DNA, it might be uh, hair follicle, well, not for me, but uh, skin follicle or something. There's always a trace. And I would say this, that in every room that you enter as a Christian, you're going to leave spiritual DNA behind. You're going to leave the aroma of Christ behind in your interactions if you live for Christ. Because you will love those people in every room you enter in. You may not agree with them. You may not like them. But you will love them. Because that's what God calls us to in fellowship. Will you please stand in prayer? For prayer. Father God. We're thankful that you created us for purpose. And Father, I thank you that we were made to give you pleasure, but we were also made for one another, for fellowship. And Father, even though there are times where it's difficult and hard to love our brothers and sisters in Christ and maybe those around us, but that you would give us the grace, the ability, and the will, and the desire to to love those that aren't like us, that don't believe like us, that don't act like us, whatever, Father. And those that have wronged us, I pray that we will forgive, that we will love. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in this. Father, for those that have not even reached the membership level, that don't belong to you and the Lord Jesus Christ, who have never confessed his name, who have never been obedient in baptism, never joined the church your body. I just pray they would today. And Father, I give you all the praise. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you come this morning?